Well, I really am glad you're joining us online this morning. Interesting thing about that song, it was written by uh, a man who became a Christian as an adult and for a number of years walked with God, but then walked away from his faith. Um, the, the line that he wrote, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. It's actually his story. He was actually riding on a train and a lady sitting next to him on the train uh, said, uh, said uh, I'm, I'm reading this poem. It's from a song that we've been singing in church. And, and she read it to him, not knowing he was the author. She said, do you happen to know who wrote this? He said, ma'am, I wrote that. And I think I've lost my faith. And she said, you need to listen to your own words here. And that could very well be the situation with, with you and um, because of any number of, of events, you feel like you've distanced yourself from the Lord. And I want you to know the Lord Jesus, his heart is for you. It's drawn toward you. And the very sins that separate you from him at this point, his heart goes out to you. And he's drawn to you. And he says, if you'll turn, if you'll draw close to God, he will draw close to you. Well, this is the Sunday before the new year. And one year ago... Uh, as we were entering 2020, people were and businesses were making these big plans for a new decade, for a new year. Uh, I have pastor friends who were telling their church the first Sunday of 2020 their 2020 plan. And I wonder if God in heaven was looking down, going, "You guys don't have a clue what is about to happen." Um, and within just a few weeks the whole world turns upside down. Schools, churches, businesses, sporting events, indoor concerts, just shut down. It's, it's, it's all over. And uh, the people who had plans for 2020, all of us who had plans, they're in the trash can, um, absolutely turned over. Uh, there was a survey done not long ago, asking people how they felt about the future. It was a national survey just about three months ago. How are you feeling about your future? Almost 50% said they think life for future generations will be worse than life today. 66% said they were fearful about the future. And 71% said they were angry about the future. And when they were asked on the survey why they felt angry or anxious about the future, the number one answer was not COVID-19. The number one answer was the state of politics. <laughs> Who could have imagined that the world would be, or the, the country, the, the, future, the year would be like it is? Let me ask you a question. What has this pandemic taught you? What have you learned from this? I'll tell you one thing that ought to be obvious, and that is we don't know the future. It is uncertain. It is unpredictable. So here's the question. How do you live at peace with an uncertain future? How do you live your life not knowing what is about to happen? And because we're Christ followers, we say, well, you, you, you trust God because God exists outside of time. He exists above time. And God sees past and the future and the present all in one moment. He is the only one who knows the future. But here's the question. 
How do you trust God with an uncertain future? You know the number one verse uh, searched for on the U version of the Bible online, the app, the U version that many of us use, the number one verse searched for this last year was Isaiah 41.10, which simply says, do not fear, I am with you. Do not be afraid. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How do you grasp that promise? And how do you move into a future? And you, we just, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, much less next week, much less in 2021. So how do you live with peace? How do you trust God with an uncertain future? There is a passage of Scripture that was written expressly to answer that question. It's in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, just five very short verses that answer the question, how do you face an uncertain future? So if you have a Bible, I hope that you'll find that for just a moment. If you're using your phone, go to that Bible app, go to James 4, 13 through 17. It says this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a, and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a, a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And what James tells us is there are three mistakes that we tend to make about the future. And then he describes three things that we can do to trust God for an uncertain future. So let's jump right into it. Number one, here's the first mistake that we make about the future. We plan without praying. We make our plans, and I've been around long enough to know that there are a lot of people who genuinely love Jesus, they're Christ followers, but we make plans and it never occurs to us to ask God His plan or to join us in our planning. As a result, we're really practical atheists. We're living and planning for the future as if either God did not exist, or He doesn't care, or He's not involved in our lives at all. The number one mistake that we make is this. We plan without praying. And so He talks about, in that first verse, He says, come now, you who say, and He talks about some business people who, have, who are putting together a, a business plan, and it's really quite a thoughtful plan. Lots of people never plan anything. They just kind of drift in life. But they have this detailed business plan. In fact, he gives us six pieces of information. The question, when are you going to do it? He says, today or tomorrow. Where? Well, we're going to go to a certain city. He's got a specific city in mind. He says, how long? Well, we're going to stay there a year. What are you going to do? We're going to start a business. We're going to launch a business enterprise. Why? We'll make a profit. And finally, he answers the question, who? And he says, we. So it, he's got a business partner. A lot of people never put a plan together, but this man has this quite amazing 
planning. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, actually, um, there's not a whole lot wrong with that because the Bible is full of information and counsel to plan. Uh, Jack Joseph is my accountability partner, and uh, several weeks ago we had lunch, and I said, Jack, what are you reading in the Bible these days? And he said, I'm reading the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is full of information and counsel. Plan. Don't drift. Don't coast in life. You're just going downstream. Make a plan. For example, Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And the only one who knows the future, the Lord Jesus himself, talked about building a tower. And if you're going to build a tower, sit out and make sure you've got enough money to complete the project, the tower. So the Bible is not anti-planning. James is not criticizing these people for making a plan. He doesn't want us just to be haphazard in our life. Here's the problem. It's not what they did. It's what they failed to do. They, did you notice? He, he doesn't include God at all in his plan. Four different times he says, we will do this. We will do that. We will do this. We will do that. We will. We will. We will. We will. Never a reference to God himself. Never a thought that God might have something to do uh, with, his, with his plan. And as a result, those who love the Lord, but who plan without praying, we miss out on God's blessing. Because our God is a supernatural God who can speak to us and he can share his will with us. Listen to this verse from Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. He said, well, how, how do you know God's will? I mean, how, how do you know what God wants? Well, it's, it's very simple. Ask him. Ask him. James 1, 5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask God. And he freely gives it without rebuking people. I love the way the Living Bible presents that. If you want to know what God wants you to do, just ask him and he'll gladly tell you. For he's always ready to give a generous supply of wisdom to all those who ask. Now, I've done the last few years, I've done a good amount of premarital counseling. In fact, John and I have kind of laughed about how much time that takes. And when I do premarital counseling for a couple getting ready to, do, to, to get married, one of the first things I do is, is I ask them, give me a couple of verses you're going to build your marriage on. You agree together or separately, give me some verses on which you're going to base your life together. And they'll come up with the verses about loving each other and kindness and forgiveness and all that's really good. Sometimes people will say, well, Pastor Sam, is there a verse you recommend? And without hesitation, I, I, I say, here's what I recommend. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. He says if you will do three things, he will literally direct your, your path. He will guide your planning. If you will trust in the Lord, if you'll be humble enough not to depend on your own understanding entirely, not just be totally self-reliant, self-dependent, and if you will acknowledge him in your plans, he's very clear. He says, I'll direct your path. Now, I know with everything so uncertain these days, it's, uh, it's really hard to make plans. 
it's, it's just a whole lot easier just to kind of get through the day and see what we can do. But here's the, here's the thing, folks. This pandemic could go a long time. Even with vaccines coming, it could go a long time. You don't want to waste weeks and months of your life by just drifting. So here's my counsel. Sit down between now and the first of the year and put some plans together for your spiritual growth. Put some plans together for your marriage, uh, for your family, for your finances, uh, for your health. And while you're putting them together, say, Lord, help me as I'm thinking through what we want to do this year, where we want to go, how we want to spend our, our, our time. Give me your mind as well. Ask him and submit your plans and ask him in the planning process. Just ask him to help you. And let me give you another little piece of advice someone gave me a long time ago. Control what you can control. And what you can't control, trust God. Now, I know there's a lot of things that feel like they're out of our control, but there's an awful lot that we do have control about. So things that you do can, you can control, you can make some plans. And the things you cannot control, leave them with the Lord, leave them in His hands. So there's the first thing. You want to face an uncertain future? Then make some plans, but pray as you make those plans. Here's the second thing, it's a problem that many of us have, and that is presuming we'll have tomorrow. It's just taking it for granted that, that I will be around tomorrow. That's what he says in verses 14 through 16. He says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Boy, is that the truth. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So here's somebody, they're making all of their plans as if they're going to be around tomorrow. And he says, instead, you ought to just say, if it is the Lord's will. And friends, that is a phrase that we need to get real comfortable using, if the Lord wills. In Arabic, they, people, our friends who are Arab-speaking, Arabic-speaking, say, inshallah, if the Lord wills. My son Joy was telling me yesterday, many times that's used as an excuse for not doing anything. Well, unless God makes me do it, I'm, I'm not going to do it. But the intent is to say, we're going to do this if the Lord wills. In Spanish, Ojalá comes from an Arabic phrase, or we say, si Dios quiere, si Dios permite. It's the idea, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or, or, or we'll do that. A hundred years ago, Christians wrote letters. Remember what, the, remember what a letter is? Christians wrote letters, and they signed their name, and then they put uh, D-V, which is shorthand for Latin, Dio volente, God willing. I don't, think, I don't think it's trite to, to use that phrase a, a whole lot more. If the Lord wills, here's what we're going to do. If, if the Lord wills. Paul was not hesitant to use it. Listen to this, Acts 18, 21. Paul left Ephesus and said, I will return to you if God wills. 1 Corinthians 4, 19, I will come to you if the Lord wills. Now, why is it so important to say that? because it creates a mindset. It creates a certain attitude, a way of looking at life, because the reality is we don't know that we have tomorrow. It was, uh, it was April, 1865. 
Washington, D.C. was celebrating. The White House was going to have a huge event. Flowers had been ordered. Banners were hung all over the city with the name Ulysses S. Grant Victor. The next morning, Good Friday, a bullet went through the brain of President Abraham Lincoln. They had the security all buttoned down. The newspapers had finally stopped calling him the buffoon, the ape-like president that we had, that we have. Nobody anticipated that. The war was over. Bloodshed was coming to an end. Nobody anticipated that. Fast forward 76 years. It's a Saturday afternoon. A naval officer and his wife are, are enjoying their tour of duty in Hawaii. They've got a little apartment, and they're fixing up that apartment. They plan a night of romance that Saturday night, and their plan is to sleep in on that Sunday morning. It's December the 6th, Saturday. The next morning, all hell breaks loose as Pearl Harbor is blown to smithereens. And every plan that they had was trashed. Fast forward 50 years. It's Monday Night Football. It was a great game. Ruthie and I, as I recall, had some friends over visiting with us. We watched it until late. It was September the 10th. The next morning, I was up early. I was eating a bowl of uh, oatmeal, and uh, the phone rang. And someone said, you need to turn on the TV. And uh, so I turned on the TV, and I really thought I was watching a Bruce Willis Die Hard movie. I'm thinking, how in the world did they film this? And then a plane flew into the second tower. It's like we were at war. We we were at war. I read that there were 13 business people, investors, on the 101st floor of the South Tower on the 10th, could not conclude a meeting, agreed they would meet early on the morning of the 11th and finish their business meeting. They were there early. They never made it down from the South Tower. Fast forward six years, seven years. The world economy lost $7 trillion overnight. In Zimbabwe, inflation hit a record 231 million percent. Which meant if you were in Zimbabwe and you had a million dollars in Zimbabwe dollars in the morning, in the evening, you had a dollar. We will live. The duration of your life is in God's hands. If the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Any success you have in life, any accomplishments, any achievements are in God's hands. You go, how does that give me peace? They're in the hands, your future is in the hands of a father whose love for you is so great that he would give his own son to die in your place and then send you his own spirit and claim you to be his forever. 
which means if you say if the Lord, if the Lord wills, you're not saying, well, if the attorney wills who prepared my will, or if the devil permits it, or if disease doesn't come, or if the economy doesn't crash. No, if the Lord wills, because he's, he's over it all. He says, if we don't do that, we're just boasting. In other words, we're playing God. We're actually acting, acting as if we're in control of everything. And he says, that's pride, and all such pride is evil. And that is so easy for us to fall into, to play God and pretend that it is not in God's hands. So I want you to think for a moment of the word life, L-I-F-E. Got that in your mind? Those four letters, L-I-F-E. What are the two middle letters in life? If. Did you ever think that in the middle of your life is a great big if? If the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. In fact, that's about the only thing that's certain in life. God's love, God's faithfulness, God's word, that's about it. So we humble ourselves and we say, well, Lord, I'm, I'm going to trust you for this. He, he says your life is a vapor. That is the Greek word atmos, A-T-M-I-S. We get our word atmosphere. It's the idea that you go out. I went out this morning uh, before I left uh, home. I went out and, and that momentary mist, it's your life. It's fragile. It's gone like that compared to eternity. How do you face an uncertain future? You plan and you pray and you live one day at a time because we don't know that we have tomorrow. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our ways that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And a few years ago I said, how do you do that? How do you number your days? And I decided to keep a journal and write down what God was teaching me yesterday and what I'm hoping will happen today. I'm trying to number my days. The Lord Jesus himself said this, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. My grandmother was a world-class worrier. She just worried all the time. Um, I asked her one time, I said, why do you worry? She said, well, if I don't worry, who will? And I asked her once, I said, I said Granny, um, the things you worry about, did they ever happen? And she said, no, they don't because I worry about them. <laughs> Worry's like sitting in a rocking chair. You're going back and forth, exerting a lot of energy, but you're going nowhere. You're wasting your life. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't presume on tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. And then he says, don't borrow trouble. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Uh, God doesn't promise us strength for tomorrow. It's strength for today. It's resources for uh, today. So we live one day at a time, we plan for tomorrow with God, God at our side, but we live one day at a time, it's all we've got. So how do you prepare and how do you face a future that's uncertain? I, I pray as I plan, I live one day at a time. Here's the third mistake that he mentions, and that is putting off what we know is the right thing to do. It's the sin of procrastination, it's my sin. I'll bet it's yours too, because James ends this section and he says this, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but you don't have to do anything to sin. 
There are sins of commission and there are sins of omission and things that we know to do that we just put off doing. So I want to close my sermon with three questions. Here's the first question. What plans for the future am I praying about? Sit down, put a plan together, pray about it, put it in God's hands, ask Him to direct you, tell Him you're acknowledging Him. What plans for the future am I praying about? Here's the second question. What is one thing I can do to help me to live one day at a time? What's one thing I can do to remind myself, I just got today, I'm going to live one day at a time. Here's the third one. What is something I've been procrastinating and I need to do today? Been putting it off, been postponing it. Some of us, maybe it's reconciled with a person. Maybe it's seek forgiveness from a person. Maybe it's to make a plan for your finances. Maybe it's to make some resolutions that you're going to do something about about your health. Maybe it's something with your spiritual life. I'm going to begin to read the Bible daily. I'm going to write down what I think God is teaching me from the Word. Uh, Maybe it's to trust Christ, and that's what you need to do, and you've been putting it off. You need to do that right now. Maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe it's to become part of a church. Maybe it's to get serious about discipleship. I'll just end with one last question. What excuse have you been using to not do what you know you need to do? You see, 1 John 2 says this, we can be sure we know Christ if we obey his commands and the one who says I know him but doesn't do what he commands is a liar. He's saying actions speak louder than words. You can face an uncertain future. We don't know what tomorrow has if we'll pray with our plans if we'll live one day at a time, and if we refuse to put off until later what we know is the good and right thing to do right now. Let me pray with us. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the wisdom of James. Thank you for the presence and promise of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are a God who hears us, speaks to us, and you can supernaturally guide us. So we want to end this year by thanking you for every kind, good thing that you permitted in our lives and by putting this next year into your hands, praying as we plan, living just one day at a time, and when we bring something to mind that we need to do, we want to do it then and not put it off. Thank you for your wisdom. I pray for those who have never trusted in Christ and you're watching. And right now, why don't you open your heart to the Lord? Why don't you say, Lord, I don't understand everything, but I know this. I'm a sinful person and you're a savior. He promises to save sinful people. And I believe that Jesus came and died on a cross for my sins, rose from the dead. And I want you to be the Lord and the leader of my life. I want to be able to say, if the Lord leads, if the Lord wills, I'll do this or that. So I give my life to you. Lord, thank you. Receive our praise in Jesus' name. Amen.